This podcast is brought to you by Antelope Audio, a leading manufacturer of high-end audio interfaces, mastering-grade converters, world-renowned master clocks, and mic emulations. Digital clarity, analog warmth. Learn more at antelopeaudio.com. Hey, it's Larry Crane. Welcome to the Tape Op Podcast. Julie Catherine, also known as I Am Snow Angel, is a producer, artist, sound designer, and advocate for female empowerment in the music industry. Her latest release, Mothership, was recorded in a remote cabin in New York. I sat down with Julie in her studio in New York City for this chat. Enjoy. That's cool. That is yeah. interesting. I mean, because the record doesn't have a lot of like overt rhythms. No, it doesn't. So to speak. Why? Is, Why is, there, is, there, is there is there was there a focus? Was there a vibe? Was well, there it's a funny. So expression. Things I had done in the past usually had like some sort of beats on them. That yeah. I put there, and then this time I don't know how much Patrick told you about it, um, but I made most of the record in a cabin in the I, woods. Yeah, and, <laughs> I heard that part. And. Uh, it's like I went without any sort of people are like, what were your influences for the record? I didn't really have any. You just specific. started. Did you start with any songs when you went? Some of the stuff was half written. Yeah. But it wasn't really. All of the influences were just kind of emotionally based. I didn't have a lot of sonic influences. And then when I got there, yeah. I just went into a fugue state, just working <clears> around <throat> the clock and just kind of made what. How long of a period was that? So I went the first time for two weeks and wow. I totally. Uh, overestimated how much work it would be doing this album in that way. Or I guess I overestimated my efficiency because mm. I would like go with no one to mount anything off of. I would just go down the rabbit hole making something for <laughs> four days and then be like, oh, I don't like this at all and get right. rid of it. So sure. it was really fun, but it wasn't. But that's the, that's sometimes the that's part of it. Yeah. Totally. So then I came back and then I did it again for another about two, two and a half weeks. Then I came back and then I did it again for another week. Wow. So and then I still had stuff to do. Did you have to do more like editing and finishing yes. things off at home? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> did you take all your equipment with you? Yeah. Or did, you did you specifically hand pick it or did you bring uh, your speakers no, and everything? No, I brought everything. Yeah. I, almost everything. I don't think I brought like that huge old keyboard, but yeah. I brought everything else. Yeah. Man. It was so fun. <laughs> I mean, I really loved it. And nobody that. else was coming around or anything? No. Just. When you're cooking for yourself and just hanging. So out. okay, so I yeah. was cooking for myself, and one of the one of the trips in March actually, there's a huge snowstorm. There's 44 inches of snow. Yeah, and I was right. so happy because I was like, now, like I really like <laughs> shut off from the world. It um, makes it quieter outside too. Yeah, so it was. Yeah. It got very quiet when yeah. that snow came down. Um, <laughs> Soundproofing. My parents don't live that far away, but I told them not to. They were kind of afraid of me. Mom, I might not shower. <laughs> yeah, they, she, she was just really afraid I would um, lash out if she tried to approach me while I was in the creative process. Yeah. So, so yeah, I was just mostly by myself, and I really didn't want to come back any of the time. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, really so cool. I guess to answer your question, I didn't really, I wasn't listening to a lot of other music when I made it. I've noticed when 
now that I'm producing for other clients, they come to me, they'll be like, I want to beat like this song. I want to feel like this. I want this. And I right. didn't, I didn't do that for this record at all, except for this mix. <laughs> yeah. Th- I really yeah. didn't. I wanted it to not sound like it was yeah. derivative of something else and that I wasn't imitating anything. And, right. And I kind of didn't choose what, I mean, it's kind of like a sad, emotional record. Mm-hmm. That's just what happened. <laughs> Were you sad? I was. When you're making it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm, you don't have to answer. Yeah, that. I was, but I wasn't, but that wasn't, it's interesting yeah. because I thought, I actually had said to Patrick at one point, like, I'm going to write this really catchy record. And yeah. like, that's just not what, you know, it, yeah. what, what happened happened. And right. It was, I had a wonderful time. Do you feel like in a way that it's a stronger thing than stuff you've worked on before? I because think so. I think it's more emotional. And yeah. I think I had more, um, What's, what's the word? Yeah, I think I conveyed more emotion through my performance yeah. and my writing. Um, what program are you recording into? So usually just... for more of the sound design elements yeah. and the writing, I use Ableton. Sure, live. Yeah. yeah. And that program, I use it for performance, obviously. And yeah. then I did some, I got more involved with them. I did some sound design, some preset right. for them. I don't remember when it was. But um, over time, I've gotten more and more attached to it. So yeah. for writing and for sound design, I just really like it, how quickly you can do things like reversing vocals right. and re-reversing them and all that and warping things. It's so performance-oriented, you know, you know it, compared to a recording. It I mean, cause totally it will let you do is, and you faster. can loop things so quickly. Yeah. And it's just so, yeah. Um, and then when it comes to tracking vocals, I use Logic. Right. I usually send everything from Ableton into a Logic session. And like then, just bring it all, move it all over. Yeah, just send waves. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And then uh, I sing in Logic and do all the vocal editing and stuff there. And then if I'm mixing it, I mix in Logic too. Right. Oh, cool. Yeah. Did you mix this record? I mixed, I think, half of it. Who else was working with you on it? Ari Raskin. Yeah. He did two tracks and Travis Ference. And then I ended up mixing the rest of it just because I like how my mixes sound. So yeah, um, it was those initial tracks I sent to them. And right. I have a hard time sometimes letting go of a mix, mm-hmm. which was the other motivation for getting the final mix done yeah. elsewhere because I get so obsessive and I can't let it go. And if somebody <laughs> else is mixing it, I'm more likely to be like, okay, it's done. Yeah, yeah. But right. then I guess I just decided to get obsessive and I wanted to mix the rest myself. Yeah. Um, so I picked Travis because... I heard this low fang record mm-hmm. and I liked the way it sounded and I saw who mixed it and I reached yeah. out to him. Oh, fun. And yeah. And, and you were mixing remotely, like just sending yeah, files Yeah, I would just send and files and he's in, um, he's in California. Yeah. And then Ari actually is someone who taught me how to mix um, here in New York. Oh, cool. So he's someone I met through my Ableton mentor, her name's Erin Barra. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she's a professor yeah. at Berkeley now. She does oh, a cool. lot to advance women in music production and teach <laughs> songwriting and Ableton combined yeah. and stuff like that. She's really amazing. Yeah, and yeah. she had worked with him for a long time. He had mixed up of hers. And at one point she recommended me to him because I wanted to take mixing lessons because I was mixing. Right. And stuff sounded actually pretty good, but I felt I don't have a background as... Um, a mixer or, an right. or anything like that. Um, and I could get to sound good, but I just wanted kind of more just, um, what's the word? I guess more of a theoretical knowledge of what I was doing. Right. 
And so there's so many different angles to it. There are a lot of different you know, angles and there's more than one way to do it and all that yeah. stuff. And I also really think it's an art as much as it is a science because yeah, I think, yeah, that's just the way it seems to me. Um, oh, but yeah. I learned a lot from him. Yeah. And I also had him mix a few tracks. Right. That's cool. Yeah. How, when someone mixes something like, like a songs for you like that, how much back and forth do you guys do like revisions and stuff? Does that, you know, like trying to try to steer it. Like you're like, that's really cool what you did there, but I have to say that I normally, at least with this record, I the tracks I sent for mixing, I didn't do a lot of revisions because I had recognized that I was bringing another person in, and they're both really good mixers. Right. And I'd said what I wanted, and they both did what I yeah said. Cool. So maybe a little bit like automation. Can you make the vocal louder here? Right, Could yeah. you? put, you know, automate delay there, this and that. But I didn't really, with those two mixers, I didn't really need to give a lot. That's cool. Yeah. Was it, with instructions, what kind of things did you say? Like how, would you give them your rough well, mix or your okay. working and mix? And usually and, the working mix would be, I would have already like worked it like, to a point I like where this. I would say, here's yeah. my mix. I want it to be exactly like this. Right. And I would actually usually give, so maybe I didn't need to give them a lot of feedback <laughs> afterwards because I yeah. was so thorough in my notes ahead of time. Yeah. I would send... Yeah. Both dry and wet versions of every stem, right, or every track rather, um, along with like the notes on like what plugins I use and all that. And right. then I might say like I really like how the kick drum sounds, but actually, could you make it sound like beefier mm -hmm. or stuff yeah. like that? So between all of that, and then in the process yeah. of doing all those mixes, I think I just became I really started enjoying the mixing so much. And then the clients yeah. I've been getting, I've been mixing, yeah, I started mixing for them a lot. So right. then. <laughs> I just kind of got into the mixing. Well, building skills up. Yeah. I mean, certainly, you know. Yeah. And the more, the variety, the larger variety of things you work on, the better your skills will be. It's true. Too. Well, that's what's helped me a lot with working yeah. with other artists. Yeah. Because they bring stuff to me that I never would have made myself. Right. You know? I mean, and, 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 and to what extent? That was one of my questions. I'm mm -hmm. hardly even referring to my questions. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, with collaborations mm -hmm. or, or production work you're doing, where, where do the, I, I, let's see how to put it. How does it work? I, how are you, are you going in fully writing songs for somebody or with someone or are you going yeah. just mixing almost? There's or, like a huge range, yeah. you know, some yeah. people it's like, they've got like a fragment of a lyric and we write a song together and then yeah. we play all the instruments and oh, cool. we track all. And I generally with the clients, as I said, I do engineer, <clears throat> I engineer and play everything and mix everything. Right. So it's exciting yeah, cause I get to cool. learn how to do all that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sometimes though they'll come to me like with a logic session and they've already come up with a bunch of parts. Right. And they have a scratch vocal and stuff like that. So we just kind of like re beef it up or reduce yeah. it or just figure whatever. out where to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually sometimes a little harder. Yeah. Because it's like there's some uh constraints to work within. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. I mean they, they those often turn out really well. But um Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to say. I mean, because it's more of a collaborative. I mean, my thought was that you were probably in more of a collaborative zone with with, yeah. with things that you produce than say like when I mix something for someone, I'm just trying to you know, finish it off. You know, some people have sent me stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but normally it's more collaborative. Yeah. And more in person. Right, right. Yeah. Like get together and flesh out ideas yeah. and everything like that. Yeah. Mm. With... Like stepping back to your record, mm -hmm. what was the, um, hmm, 
what what instruments were used? Like how much stuff were soft mm-hmm. synth or or or, or yeah. stuff in the computer, and then how much is like I know you've got a few analog things. Yeah. And, and I um let's see, I played like this synth, this Novation mm-hmm. Alternova has some really cool sounds in it. Yeah, I definitely used some of those. I played my Telecaster. Yeah, um, a bunch, and then I used a lot of soft synths. Yeah. Ableton, right, Native Instruments. Right. Um, I did a lot of like blending different patches together and putting effects on them, bouncing them, and all that right. you know, to kind of make a whole world. It's it's such a, I find it such a different time. Like when I work on projects that are sort of built more like you did. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm coming from a background where we track it to tape from way back, right? Mm-hmm. And then you'd be like, well, that's the synth pad, that's the chordal thing, and that's mm-hmm. it. You know, yeah. and now I feel like people come in with stacks yeah. and we have to kind of figure out, do we want a more stringy or more well, buzzy? That's the thing. And there's so much with the mixing. It's actually right. much more complicated, I think, which is also yeah. the other reason why I ended up mixing the rest of the record. Right. The amount of time it took for me to bounce the wet and the dry stamps with all those notes. Right. <laughs> yeah. When there's like sometimes a hundred, 150 tracks in a session. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's like. Yeah. That could take me days. Oh my god! Right? Yeah. It's know. no. There's a lot of um. It's and it's so subjective too. Versus, yeah. like, I mean, how you treat an instrument, like a a, a yeah. MIDI instrument, it's so you could make it sound a million different ways. Oh, I know. When people send me the MIDI, oh. you know, sometimes I'll, they'll be like, "Well, if you if you want to try a different patch yeah. for that," I'm like. You know, sometimes with rhythm stuff, maybe I want to add yeah. in some yeah. better beats. To just make it sound better, beats more on the satisfying. Kick. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Totally. But on, on chordal things or leads, it's kind of like, oof, I don't know if I can get involved in that. Well, I think that's why working with, <laughs> it's interesting because working with clients, I'll play something and they'll be yeah. like, oh, I hate that. And it'll be something I thought they would love. Right. <laughs> and then we like go through and find the sounds together. So it's really very personal. Yeah, that's true. Which I mean, is it's interesting. Taste. Like, yeah, it is taste. It's yeah. cool though. I mean, it's exciting yeah. um, to have such a range. Of, I mean, it's unlimited. What, what kind of stuff have you collaborated on recently or produced um, for other people? Okay, let's see. Who should I talk about? Um, there's this Canadian artist. Her name is Grace Lachance. Mm-hmm. And she's... Actually, maybe I'll play a little bit of it sure. for you if you want. Um, yeah. She's 17 years old, and she's really a good singer. Oh, cool. Um, she had had a single come out on Universal Canada or something like that at some yeah. point. She's really a good singer and a great yeah. writer. And um, I actually went up there. They brought me up there to Ottawa because she's in high school. <laughs> for a couple months in April to produce an EP. Wow. And it was really amazing. And we did it. We worked out of a studio up there. And it yeah. was just me and her the whole time. Wow. Basically, we just played everything ourselves. And they found a place that you were comfortable to work in. Yeah, and... it was great. We worked out of a studio that uh, it was fine. It was wonderful. There's a live yeah. room. I got yeah. to use like some of the hardware there that I hadn't used before. Right. The distressor we ran everything through. It sounded so good. <laughs> I got and I three. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it was no. wonderful. Yeah, um, yeah that was like magic. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, this yeah. this album it's really poppy. Yeah. There's other ones on there that are really kind of less heavy with the beats, just mm-hmm. more like straight pop. But it was really fun. Yeah. And I'm very attached to the artist. I'm really how much like you, her. how much time do you get? I mean, how much time do you spend on? Producing with other people at this point. 
a lot. What percentage of your time? Really? Um, That's awesome. I have a client here in New York. Her name's Essie, E-S-S-S-E-E. Mm -hmm. We're doing a full-length album, um, which has been, she's also a great artist. Yeah. Really kind of like Sylvan Esso, but like a little punkier, like metric meets Sylvan Esso meets something else. Um, She actually was here today with a guitar player named Charlie Rao, R-A-U-H, and um, we we did a session all day. Oh, cool. Getting more guitars for the record, and I spend... um, yeah, it's like the seven. music's like full time. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's I, I was trying to get an impression of that, and it's hard to, it's hard to tell. You know, what's funny. You know what it's I mean? Online, it's like I don't when I'm in work mode for someone else, and I'm on the yeah, clock. Sure, I really don't have the. First of all, well, I don't know. I guess I'm in that. I'm so focused that I rarely like take videos or post it or talk sure. about it. I'll, I'll post and, if something's coming out, and yeah. also, you know, I'm, I'm there. Working for them, yeah, um, and I'm enjoying it. I love it. Yeah, I really do. Right, um, but there's always a confidentiality thing there's too. Co- they not, might not want like if they yeah. post it, then I'll repost it. Right, but right. if they don't, they might not want their song out there. Or they or might not want to. Who knows? They might not even want to say that they're working on right. anything. I don't know. So I'm I never know. Be, I try to defer yeah, to yeah. them with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's actually quite a lot of time. It's mostly female clients. Yeah, that kind of helps lead into our next question. Mm-hmm. The uh, female frequency mm-hmm. for our readers. Just tell me more about how that started and what what that's about. You know. So, um, so I think it was about three and a half years ago. Um, I was reading through just a little background, actually. Mm-hmm. One of the people, like who I had mentioned before, Aaron Barra. Right. She was someone who really helped me realize that I could really go for it as a producer. Right. Um, she taught me Ableton. She got me really proficient being a live performer with Ableton. I knew nothing about Ableton. I mean, as of 2013, mm-hmm. I had not, um, I didn't know how to use GarageBand. <laughs> I didn't know anything, you know? And then I started yeah, making yeah. demos and they sounded really good. I played them for some people. And then I realized I was, I started getting the mix and they sounded great as records. I started, right. um, performing with Ableton and, um, so I already knew that connecting with other women who were on the technical side of things was very helpful. Yeah. Um, so I was on a, an email list for a group called Women in Music, which is mm-hmm. a big organization with hundreds of people in it, women and men. Yeah. And there's an email list, like a Google group. And this yeah. artist named Danny Marie sent out an email saying, I'm looking for a female producer to work with. Yeah. And this has like hundreds of people on the email list. It's in New York City. And <laughs> I was the only person. And at that time, I was producing my stuff. I had done, done a right. few little things or contributed to things here and there, but I wasn't, you know. Anyway, I wrote back yeah. saying, well, I'm a female producer. Sure. I could do it. And she was like, well, that's great. You're the only person who's written back. Jeez. And that's not to say there aren't other female <laughs> right. producers, but um, maybe they didn't see the email. Maybe they're busy, whatever. But yeah. there definitely weren't a lot of responses. Um, yeah. So we got together and started thinking as we were talking, wouldn't it be cool actually to make an album that's just made by women, the whole thing, all the instrumentation, all the writing, all the production, the mixing, the mastering, the PR, everything, (laughs) which is, I saw that on the website. Yeah. Which is not super common. Um, and that's what we ended up doing. And in the process, we started having some events and we had a fundraiser, but we also started having some workshops for women where, Mm -hmm. um, female producers or performers or whatever would come in and share their experience or how to run live sound, how to do live looping, all different types of things. And 
it's a community of women developed around that and people have connected That's through good. it and met each other. We made yeah. our album, yeah. which I produced, which was such a, it was a big thing for me. That's awesome. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's just now at this point in time, it's more of a informal community where women can connect with each other right. and work with each other and, and learn when we do have events. And I think right. hopefully at some point there'll be another album that's with a, cool. a different bunch of women doing it under the same umbrella. Right. It yeah. kind of gives it a, a focal point. Yeah. An artifact, too. Yeah. I mean, because it's hard, you know, like if I think of women, uh, Women's Audio Mission. Yes. Terry's a real good friend of mine. Okay. Right? And I'm always like, when she first started it, I was like, how do you kind of, this is, how do you show people like the tangible part? You know, what is it? You know, well, there's, there's workshops and there's like, okay, good. And, and you have to have something to. Yeah. And I will say yeah. it's difficult to keep a community, you know, a community, keep the momentum going as yeah. far as like tangible products. Sure. Um, but yeah, I'm but very proud to have. Doing events. Yeah. Doing really events are really thing. great. And, yeah. um, the, my two, the two other founders, Danny Marie is the one woman I mentioned. And there's yeah. another woman, Claire London, who founded it. Right. Um, they're both really great. Claire is in LA now. And Danny's here. And Danny really has um, put a lot of work into the community. Yeah. And me less so because I feel like once I, <laughs> I'm guilty of just like wanting to be making beats and playing oh, yeah. stuff and well, right. Like I, I have a I hard mean, time sometimes yeah. getting out away from my stuff. Right, but you're busy too. Yeah, and I'm busy. You know. Um, <laughs> so I think I'm not as involved honestly, at this point, as I'd like to be in. I want yeah. to change that. I've been doing this forever, and I feel like I see a shift, especially with technology, where women are less apt to be, you know, more more likely to be involved in it, is what I should say. Whereas I used to think, you know, you go into studios, and you're like, when do I see, like, a female engineer at the console mm -hmm. and the tape deck? Like, I knew Sylvia Massey, and I knew mm -hmm. a couple other people, and, and I'd be like, I mean, I think it's such a, like I said, there is something about the visibility of seeing other women doing it. Yeah. So I think that what was going on in that situation was, yeah. you just don't, it just doesn't even occur. I mean, the reason I hadn't, <laughs> I think as a, as a musical person, yeah. production is my greatest skill. And it, I didn't yeah. even think I could run GarageBand because I didn't right. know any other women <laughs> right. who were producers. And right. Whereas I feel like men, if they're like, oh, I'm kind of musical, they get a laptop and they're like, I'm a producer, it's my job. You know, there's right. not really the resistance because they're like, look at all these people who do it, I can do it. Right. You don't, you see the role models are quite visible. It's actually a big yeah. thing. I didn't realize. Yeah. Well, I want to see it change. Yeah. I, you know what? It really is changing. And I feel like it is. It is changing, I think. I mean, part of it's the, uh, I, I feel like part of all of everything that I've seen after doing tape op 22 years is because of computers and accessibility to even GarageBand, it just gives people something at oh, a totally. young age, even just to say, oh, I can, look, I can play some notes into yep. the thing and it plays a song I wrote. And it's a little, yep. it's, it's very hands-on, it's right there. You don't have to go buy special equipment. It's pretty amazing. Right out the gate, you know. And there's a, there's a community center. It's in the Lower East Side. It's called the Lower East Side Girls Club. Mm -hmm. And that's actually someplace Aaron used to work. And I've worked there at times. And... Um, they have funding to teach beat making to girls oh, for like cool. 11, 12, 13 who oh, live nice. in that neighborhood. Yeah. Um, totally. And it's just, they're so good at it. They pick it up so easily. And just to have that knowledge, like, yeah. oh, I could do this. I could be a music producer one day. Yeah. Oh, it's totally. Really, and they pick it up yeah. so fast. <laughs> I think if you get, especially at the right ages and stuff too, 
Totally. You know, like a, show lot, them a little yeah, bit. Yeah. They can learn so quickly, like how to use <laughs> Ooh, the push. I love how to that. Yeah. Beats. Yeah. I, I love that, that concept of just getting in young and just being like unafraid. Yeah. You know, right. To do that. Without all the, th- the voices telling you, you can't do it or I'm not good at computers or whatever. You know? Yeah. I don't all think kids feel like that now though as much. I think, yeah, I feel like the computer kind of leveled out where it's yeah. just like, it's always there anyway. Yeah. So you're interfacing with it no matter what. Yeah. So why no, would it be, true. why would it be scary? Right. You know? Yeah. I, I'm jealous because growing up in the late seventies or something, mm. I was a teenager in the late seventies. It's like, you couldn't even buy a four track cassette. They didn't exist yet. <laughs> You know, like if you wanted like a home studio, you were recording like to your dad's cassette deck, like I was, you know, you know, (laughs) things have changed a lot. Yeah, slightly. (laughs) When I was a kid, I'm actually pretty good at computers, but I think it's because when I was a kid, we got a computer for our house and my parents were so afraid of it that they were like, (laughs) uh, they had this guy, Jim, who was like the tech person. Yeah. And I was eight. And they'd be like, we're going to put Julie on. She's our tech person for the family. And I was like, please, no, don't. And I'd be like crawling down on the floor on the phone with Jim, like trying to plug wires (laughs) in and stuff. So I actually ended up being more technological than like some other people in my family. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone else. (laughs) Everyone else. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Or less afraid, I guess. Yeah. But even so, I did have a lot of resistance to starting to do this. Yeah. And once I started, I loved it so much. I was staying up all night, days... Yeah. Days in a row because I was so obsessed with it and so into it. And what about like, like technical growth, like learning how to just like God, mic placement so and mic much. levels? Oh my and God. All the... I just, my brain feels like it's going to explode. How did you, how oh. did you, how did you first learn that kind of stuff? I had even? no idea what I was doing. Cause that just, confused me when I was figuring it yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, so, so with the mic levels, I mean, I watched a lot of YouTube videos. Yeah. I did a lot of trial and error where I would get these vocals that were like so quiet because I sing really quietly anyway. And right, then I right. like turned way down. <laughs> and then I just somehow it like started to click in for me a little bit. Like I think also the more I learned about mixing, about bouncing stems, because I do really, it's important to me to do things if I'm going to collaborate with someone in a way that doesn't make it difficult for them. And I hope the same will right. come back to me. So even right. when I didn't really have a super firm, you know, technological understanding. I wanted to bounce my tracks if they were going to get mixed in a way that were, was really professional. Yeah. So I think what mm-hmm. it's, I started learning that like, oh, this, you know, they should be bounced, you know, at some place between peaking between like negative six and negative 0.5 or whatever right. it was that I yeah. learned. I thought, well, huh, that's a level it's supposed to be. Maybe I should learn how to set the controls on the mic and everything so that <laughs> right. that's kind of where it's peaking. Right. Um, so I think that was helpful for me. Uh, and also just trying to mix my own stuff and seeing what a pain it was when things weren't at the right levels. Um, <laughs> or track, or tracking wasn't quite sounding tracking right. Tracking wasn't initially. sounding right. Yeah. And the guitar, you know, so much, same thing with the guitars. Yeah. Um, and then like learning like plugins, what plugins to use and how to use right. them. I didn't have, the background of ever having used any of them in a hardware setting, like the hardware Right, yeah, the real... And I didn't yeah. even know what they did. I didn't right. know. Like, what's a compressor? What's an equalizer? <laughs> um, Things. <laughs> but, like, I just was so desperate to learn. Just so, like, yeah. thirsty. I've never been like this with anything before. Looking back the rest of my life, before I started yeah. producing music, I was actually pretty apathetic about everything. Really? Like, I was like, eh. did you, you know, to, I liked it. Did you it. study things or go to college? Yeah, I went, I went like to that. Cornell. I studied psychology. I went yeah. to Columbia for graduate school. I wow. just got a master's in social work. It was yeah. 
And I was like moderately interested yeah, in those yeah. things. Yeah. Maybe not even moderately, maybe like um, reasonably interested. Mm -hmm. But compared to how I feel about this, yeah. it was like apathy. I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, this is like a different yeah. thing for me. And I played, I played a guitar and had a band for years before I started producing. And that also was a little lackluster. Really? It was once I started actually engineering and producing myself that I was right. like, oh my God. What do you see as the differences there? I, I find that fascinating. You know what? It's so weird. I didn't, I don't know. It's like something yeah. shifted. And even when I had a band, you know, I didn't, I think my communication style wasn't, now if I get a band together to do something, which I normally perform alone with right. other stuff, but if I do have a band, I'm much more comfortable being a musical director and being pretty specific. Yeah, yeah. But I think I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself and I didn't feel like I had the lingo. Right. Um, I didn't know what I wanted. I wasn't excited by what I was doing. I hadn't ever had a, a piece of recorded music that I thought I liked the way it really, really liked the mm -hmm. way it sounded. Yeah, Other yeah. Other people had produced it and it wasn't that they did something wrong. It just, <laughs> I'm just meant to produce it. I didn't know that. <laughs> And so once I, I remember I was playing in GarageBand and I started just playing these really cheesy like presets they had in GarageBand. <laughs> right. And like the emotional surge I got from doing it, I'd never done it before. Right. I didn't know what a soft synth was. I didn't know what MIDI, I really knew pretty right. much nothing. But like the feeling I felt was like euphoric. Wow. Because it was just all coming from I like. No, I think it's something. I think I prefer to interact with a com computer <laughs> musically, and I do yeah, like yeah. collaborating with people. But yeah. I really, and I use a lot of music theory and traditional songwriting in my productions. I'm not a producer <laughs> who relies heavily on. If I do use samples, I make them myself, or right. know, generally, right. Um, and my songs have chords and right, right. You know, uh, well, you could. You feel like you could. You could kind of like you just show me with with uh um i'm sorry the b or the the b song oh yeah the yes honeybee honeybee sorry with that song you showed how that song could be presented in a very different way so the core of the song is yes. Is, yes. is you know quarterly and yes it's and a lyrically real song. all there yes. yeah you know and that's been my you know the way i've mostly it is continued to approach the songwriting yeah. But I just, I don't know. There's something about the production that's like yeah, very well, exciting to me. Do you feel like part of it's being able to cast it in, in a sonic, like say if you're playing guitar and singing and you got a rhythm section, there's sort of a set thing. But to be able to cast this in a sonic space mm -hmm. right from the get-go that, that mm -hmm. creates more of a mood, is that part of it for you? Totally. Yeah. That's totally part of it. It's very gratifying from the start yeah. to be able to just craft this whole world. Yeah. I also think when I was a kid, I had such, I had such bad anxiety. I was like really anxious mm -hmm. and it was really kind of catastrophic in nature. Like a lot of really extreme fantasies about doom and death. And I just couldn't mm -hmm. get a handle on it. You know, I was yeah. really kind of tormented by that. And that's not how I am now. And yeah. I think over time, I've like come to see that as that was like a misdirection of my imagination and my creativity. Oh, right. And it's, so I think being able to, it's like all of a sudden there was this like limitless landscape. A place to put that. For me to just put all of my imagination. Yeah. Yeah. 
no, I that I didn't know was there. That I, I think I experienced the same thing, like listening to Eno records and things and going, oh, this, there's another way to just... There's a way to express this yeah, sonically yeah. and creatively that isn't like just sitting there like ruminating. Yeah, like, yeah. You know. There's something you can put into it. Yeah. You can build a place to go. Yeah, so I think <laughs> that's part of it too. Yeah. When you look back at some of your like frustrations... Like early on, like say playing in a band and then starting to learn more. Um, do you bring some of the memories of that when you produce and work with someone else? Like to think like, oh, they're, how they're expressing things to you and remembering how you felt back in the... When yeah, you... I do. I mean, I feel like um, a lot of times like people come to me and they are... Exp I don't know if this is exactly what you're asking, but yeah. are expressing kind of a lot of frustration with their career and feeling like something isn't clicking in yet. Right. And that is how I felt. I felt this feeling like there's a career for me in music. And I just right. couldn't figure out what it was going to be. And, yeah. um, and I just didn't have some of the pieces yet. Yeah. And I think that that's, I can relate to that when someone, when I'm working with someone and they might be feeling stuck or something right. like that. Also, I, I just know how hard it is to be an artist. Right. <laughs> how it's so like emotional and so right. draining and you feel so vulnerable and, yeah, like yeah. say tracking vocals with someone, oh. you've had to do it yourself so you can yeah, empathize. Totally, you know. And I love yeah. tracking vocals with people. Yeah. yeah, we have like such a, you know, we do everything here. And, yeah, uh, it's like we can just drink tea and take our time yeah. and just. It's a very because it's very stressful to track vocals. It the is. minute you get tight, it's like, you know, and there's things also that I didn't. Um, I generally, if possible, will try to do whatever the artist asks. Yeah. So if they're like, can you put tons of reverb on the vocal and make yeah. it really, really loud? Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it. Because I've been there. I sing really quietly and I used to be in a studio setting and I'd be like, but can you make me louder? And can you put more <laughs> reverb on me? I feel so insecure. And I feel right. like sometimes people would say, no, you got to sing out. You got to project. Right. And like the minute I started tracking my own vocals, I was like, what? I don't have to sing out a project. I whispered this whole record. It sounds great. Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. You know, that's, if that's how the art, I mean, that being said, if it's not working, it's good to try different things. Sure. Absolutely. But I really do like to come at it from the place of like, if the artist is comfortable, it's yeah. going to sound better. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you can, you could, that's the danger of being a recordist or a producer is you could cast them in the wrong yeah. form. You know, you could, you could go, you could, I've taken full, things all the way to completion and then and had the artist just go it's really not right you know we thought we were on the right track so tricky <laughs> so, and it's just so hard yeah. to capture something in general yeah that is in someone's head oh god yeah well yeah <laughs> i've noticed i mean there's some of the communication i mean do you feel i mean so you've got a master's in, in counseling psychology mm -hmm. in social work social work okay mm -hmm. But I mean, you've, you've, you've been through the training and, mm -hmm. and, I mean, and I worked as a social worker. Yeah. Do you feel like some of the communication skills cut across? Yes. I mean, I've got a friend who's mm -hmm. gone back to school to get his degree in psychotherapy. I know two other producer, engineer, musicians who are going, have gone into therapy fields, mm -hmm. you know, like counseling. They're, um, it's interesting. It is interesting. <laughs> and I feel, I actually really like doing that work. Yeah. And the, one of the reasons I stopped was because it actually takes, I think it occupies the same energy space as the creative part of my brain. So yeah. I was just so drained. I didn't have a, a lot left, but when yeah. it comes to actually collaborating and working with artists now, I think, uh, the fact that 
I'm a social worker, which I actually don't <laughs> really ever tell anyone. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why. It's not a secret. It just doesn't seem like I don't normally talk about stuff like that. Um, yeah. But I do think it's helpful. I'm very comfortable if someone someone can come in here with a really full emotional plate mm-hmm. and they don't have to hide any of it. I'm not right. defensive. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that it's a very for lack of a better expression, like a safe space for an artist to work with me. So yeah. I think that might be partly related to that. I think we always try to set up one if we can. And, you know, I I remember my very first experience in the studio was with someone who was just really not intuitive or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Not really paying attention mm-hmm. and drinking, which I thought was weird while he was working, you know, and drinking alcohol, yeah. you know, and, yeah, uh, you know, and it's, I, that's kind of one of the things that informed my whole idea of doing the magazine was like, oh, my God, like if we're going to be involved with other people, we should yeah. be supportive and collaborative and aware. <laughs> I agree. I think a lot of people, maybe if they're on the side, the engineering side, maybe they don't, yeah. if they don't have the artist, the background as an artist, maybe they don't, they're just not aware of how yeah. emotional and wrenching oh, it can yeah. be, you yeah. know? I'm not sure, but I've had the same types of experiences where people have been like smoking weed and looking at their phone when they're supposed to be tracking my vocals, and I'm in the, I'm in the vocal booth, yeah. like you know, crying. Yeah, <laughs> so it's really, it's, I, it's really weird. It's yeah. it's it, in in some ways, it's almost like it'd be better if you had someone that was just like tells you, I'm I'm gonna just let you do whatever you want. You're, do just, your own thing. I'm just here to press. Record. I'm just gonna record I'm it, just... and then we come in and we'll talk about it yeah. later or something like. Yeah. There's a really strange thing. Like I remember early on, like trying to figure out how do I be a recording engineer? Cause I've done that for hire for so many years. And, and I would start recording someone singing and, and somebody in the band would go, stop, 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 stop it now. Like, you know, four words into the first verse, mm-hmm. you know, like I, that doesn't sound conducive to me no. to stop it right yeah. there and be like, uh, you were sharp, you know, I know, <laughs> I know There's so, it, it, there is an art to it and it yeah. is like very emotional. Oh God. There's an emotional component to it. I mean, I've seen people cry oh. during vocal sessions and, oh, yeah. I've you cried know, just, during vocal just sessions. getting, you know, frustrated or upset oh. or nervous. Oh, it's just yeah, it's like, so nerve wracking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. mean, it's hard, but sometimes that's got to right. go through. You have to go through those. Yeah, sometimes after you cry, it sounds better. Yeah. I notice. I don't know. Yeah. And then also just the whole thing of like really, um, I feel like a lot of singers, myself included, don't feel like myself included before I was doing on my own vocals, um, feel disappointed hearing their vocals recorded and feel like that wasn't, that's not what I sound like. Right. Yeah. We never quite know. How they, like. how a person thinks they sound yeah. or whatever. So I think that's also like a, a listening. Sounds- different inside your head. It sounds different inside <laughs> your head. And yeah. also I, yeah. Also what's helpful for me too, is getting a lot of references of songs. They like the, yeah. the EQ and the reverbs and the delays on the vocal. So I yeah. can at least try to make it sound as close to that as I can. True. But True. that doesn't always work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, sometimes references are so sometimes off. they're off or it's not the yeah. right. It's hard to know. Sometimes I think I used to think this, you know, Sometimes it's not the right reference for that song or for the person's voice, yeah. but it can be very helpful. It's hard to say. Sometimes it's better for all in the room together. Like remote mixing is very 
Yeah, I like being all together. Even for, you know, the comping the vocals, I love to be together. For tuning the vocals, because I really think everything should be tuned. Yeah. Pretty, um, not in an obvious way, but if there's an out of tune, obviously out of tune. Drive you crazy. It's got to be tuned, I think. Unlike the, the, playing, the song you played for me earlier, there's like, but there's auto-tune uh, effects, too. On the... Yeah, um, on the tails hun- of some... The honeybee thing? No, or on, the, the, on her song, the oh, yes, Ottawa. yes. There's some, like, the, the glitchy kind yes. where it kind of does We did cool. all sorts of stuff to try yeah. to make it sound current. Although she required, like, very little tuning on her actual Right, vocals. right. So you said she's good. She sounds good. She's a great singer. Yeah. Most of the tuning was like for effects. And I right. also like using those low octave vocals. Right. Like, um, I usually use little Alter Boy, the sound toys oh, yeah. plug in. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Fun. Just to do like a weird undercurrent, undertone yeah. sound. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's funny. It's I got to mess with that one more. Oh, all of I the sounds. I like all of the sound toy stuff. Oh, he's Echo Boy on every record. Echo Boy's really good. <laughs> um, you know, for like yeah, really weird yeah. stuff, yeah. I've been using. Um, this thing called by Eventide. It's called Black Hole. It's really amazing. Yeah. I I, this is going to be my new thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you kind of have to. It's it's a totally different era of uh, of record record production. Well, you it's know? interesting because I feel like it's the only era I know. Which, right. as a producer, <laughs> but I can under, but I can understand it because I understand having had like a band and when I did make records like years ago with other producers. Yeah. Thank you, right. Patrick. Um, <laughs> I didn't, um, we did track them in that traditional way. Right, right. Which is very different. Which is you know? very nerve wracking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't like not, you know, I realize yeah. now I didn't like not being like in charge of everything. Right. And not being able to make it sound how I wanted. Right. I mean, that's a hard thing. It's like, it's hard to communicate that stuff and it's hard to feel like, like stepping into someone else's environment of a studio and to feel like you have mm-hmm. the space to. To and be the pushing. confidence, I didn't have the Push. confidence. And yeah. the communication style, too. I do think there's a difference. I can't make um, generalizations across the board, yeah. but I have a very female communication style. Yeah. If I'm in a setting <laughs> and people are like, what should we do here? Even if I'm producing the session and there's multiple people, I don't have a very authoritarian style. And I think sometimes right. it can be... Um, it can be either interpreted as being flexible or it can be interpreted as like indecisive or wishy-washy or something. So I think all oftentimes to my communication style just didn't work in those settings. You get steamrollered. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's the way I put it. I, a a number of other producers and engineers I've always, I've talked to in the past have said like, uh, listen and watch for the quietest person in the room. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because that means something. I think that that, and I don't, but I think it wasn't working for me. I think now it's working fine. Well, if the producer then, or the engineer was even perceptive, they might be more like, yeah. well, we got to make, we got to balance out the, right. see who, who everyone has to say. And you know right. what I mean? Like there's a thing totally. about, like, about pay attention. collating all the yeah. information and understanding what it all means and, and drawing people out right. if you need to. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's important. Um, tell me more about the, like the Ableton mm. stuff that you did. I, as I mentioned, once I started using Ableton, I became very obsessed with Ableton and posted about it constantly on social media. My mentor, Erin, who, um, who taught me Ableton, she's worked for them in various capacities over the years. She introduced me to people who worked there. I went to, um, Ableton, the loop conference, the first year it happened. Mm -hmm. And I met a lot of people there who worked there and I stayed in touch with them and I kind of just kept 
being in touch with people I knew who yeah. worked at Ableton. And then when I went to NAMM, I spoke on a panel about women in music, and I connected more again with them there. And mm -hmm. someone I knew there, his name's Houston. He had become, Houston Singletary had become head of the sound design gotcha. department, and he asked if I would make some stuff for them. Oh, and cool. I was so excited. Anyway, so I made a yeah. bunch of them, and I, yeah, they they own sounds, not right. Me. But I think it was really yeah. good experience for me. Oh yeah, just think what design. you learned, like you oh, said. Oh my god, I learned so much. I, mean, I still have so much, so much to learn. But it definitely gave me some confidence. Yeah. Yeah, and then actually when I got asked to do the Splice Pack, it was also through someone who I originally met at that first Loop conference I went to. Gotcha. His name's King Britt. He's popping up everywhere. He's really yeah. He's a great producer, and he's also just a good friend. Right. I just I love yeah. that idea that. Well, I mean, the idea of mentors in general, like you're saying yeah. with Aaron and, and yep. King Brit and people that kind of just pop up and go, hey, here's something that could help you, you know? Totally. <laughs> or you can do this, Yes. you know? It's That's important. And I, I think that it's like that spirit trying to be able to like be in the middle, like I can help people and people help me and it mm -hmm. just feels like I'm part of a community. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah, I mean, I think too many times people look at music as being competitive because of the music business side or something, some kind of, some it's kind just, of fallout like from that. It's like a scarcity mentality too. <laughs> that there's not an, that there's like <laughs> such a limited. Yeah. You know, such. I think artists are raised in this like scarcity mentality of like, you got to beat other people out. And, yeah. And there's there's not enough room for everyone. There's barely enough room for like, you know, for anyone. Yeah. Then go look on you know, go scroll through Spotify or something and see all the music that's available. Right. Well, that's yeah. and that's not thing, even all of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's, it's true. It's just kind of funny. Like, why do we, why do we adopt that battle of the bands, you know, know, kind of mentality? I know. I've become much, over time, I've really become, like, adverse to that type of competitive yeah. attitude. Because you can still aim to be really, really good at what you do. And that doesn't mean, that doesn't have to do with how good someone else is at it. Yeah, you know? right. Um, but, yeah, I mentioned him because he actually, I had met him through Ableton and through Loop. And then he introduced me to the people at Splice. Yeah. So it is a really supportive right. community. That's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a great... With the Splice thing, that has your name on it too, right? And that's, so that's kind of what I was hoping nice. would be yeah. the next thing, but <laughs> I didn't really know how that would that would materialize, but right. it did. And That's cool. It's a calling card, you know, and we all need them. And I had the same thing happen to me where I started doing instructional videos for lynda.com. And then all of a sudden, people would, would call me up and go, I want to come work with you because you seem nice or something. And you're yeah. like, oh, my God, I didn't think of that as advertising yeah. for but it is. getting a producing or mixing job, but it was. You never know what's going to lead to what. <laughs> That's the thing. That's the you truth, right? Yeah, it's, I yeah. find that interesting because you know that the danger at that point is probably saying no to things sometimes because you have some initial reaction. Yeah. But you also have to trust especially if you're going to get like into a writing and collaborative thing with someone or whatever, you have to want to be involved in that. Yes. You can't, you can't start doing that. I know. So it's always tricky. Yeah. How much do you, do you say yes to and how much do you say no to and how do you protect yourself and how do you also stay involved? You know, how, and how much <laughs> of my instinct, if I'm like, no, how much of it is like I'm having a self-protective instinct and it's not the right fit or how much yeah. of it is I just want to like, be alone, isolating with all my gear. <laughs> you know, I want to work on my own music. Right, or I want to work on my own music. So I know it yeah. is. I do find like that thing about like say yes to everything and staying connected to a community is important. Yeah, yeah. Because it can be so solitary. 
building something around yourself too. Yes. It, it is a community. Yes, that too. Even, even if it's not all in the same place, right. whatever. Supportiveness. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, people true. you can ask I ask questions oh, of. It's so, it's so important because it is you're just alone sometimes. Oh yeah, for so long. It's true. It's true. It's a very different thing. Well, well, what's next on this record comes out next or in January? Yeah, so I'm going to put out the two versions of Honey Bee yeah. on October 26th, okay. and the album will be coming out in late January. Yeah, I'll be doing a show, and um, those yeah. are like the big things on the the artist side, and then and then. Just Continual Just, production. Yeah, and, continuing to work on stuff. Yeah. Any kind of like wild goals or I'd anything? Really, okay, there's a couple of you want to learn, you know, think oh, all that God, stuff. Oh, God, I have so much. I feel like I'm just constantly <laughs> learning. Um, yeah. In the near future, I'd like to be doing more remixes. And ah. I'm actually kind of hoping that some of the sound design work and the splice pack would lead to that. Yeah. Because I really love remixing and I haven't done it that much but right. even just my recent remix of my own song so fun yeah um and there's such a creativity in it because there's really no right or wrong and people are asking you to do it because they actually mm. want your artistic take on it so right it's, right it's different than a mix mix different than a mix people mix. are it, nitpicking it totally it can yeah. be totally weird and totally yeah. you know it's kind of those are fun yeah so i'd like to be doing more of that um and then also, I'd like to, a lot of the stuff I've been making is pretty cinematic, as I'm sure you've mm -hmm. noticed. Yeah. I'd really like to score something that's visual, like a film or a TV show or right. something. Right. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. It'd be a fun gig. Yeah, it would be a very <laughs> fun gig. So I guess that's something I hopefully awesome. is going to happen at some point. And maybe point. some more uh, packs of cool sounds. Yeah, too. I would do that again. So this one's yeah. called Dream Pack. I don't yeah. I think the next one will be called Ice Pack. Ice pack. Yeah. <laughs> this one was going to be ice pack, but then I yeah. couldn't get it. What? It didn't sound icy enough. It was more dreamy, and the artwork didn't look icy, and just the whole thing. I couldn't get it yeah, together. Yeah. It's more dreamy. I could see ice pack, though. That could be something that's kind of more ice chilly and cold cool, right? sounding. So I think that yeah. might be the next one. I really liked doing that, making the, the sample pack. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Oh, thank you this so cool. much. Thanks for listening. Find us online at tapeop.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time. And finally, folks, this interview was recorded using the device audio interface from DPA Microphones. It's perfect for great sounding recordings on the go.